We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekupski. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. And you are listening to uh, Wrestling with the Basics. Uh, and, and of course, uh, Matt, our, our show is known because of the tremendous organization and preparation we put into it every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I make myself job. laugh. <laughs> oh, man. So, so yeah, we, we, we weren't really planning on doing two episodes about John 316. But apparently the Holy Spirit decided there was more stuff we needed to talk about. Uh, so we began last week talking about Nicodemus, about him coming to Jesus at night and, and how some of the things he said were maybe not really the most adequate things to say. But uh, you also reminded us that, and, and here's what I think is cool, Matt. I, I would think Jesus would say, well, think about it. If I came up to you, Matt, and said, hey, man, I'd like to talk to you. But can we go in the back alley? Because I don't want people to see ah, yeah. that I'm associated with you. You know, I think that would kind of put you off. And I'm kind of surprised that Jesus doesn't just say, Nicodemus, come back to me when you're not such a coward. Come back to me when you understand things better. But instead, as you talked about last week, he engages in this wonderful theological uh, discussion uh, with, with Nicodemus. Uh, so where do, you, where do you want to pick it up at? Where do you want to pick it yeah. up? We, we talked about the fact we need to be born again or from above. Uh, but where, where do we go next, Matt? Exactly. So, well, let's just continue in their conversation. If we can continue in their dialogue. Yeah. Again, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, okay, so a Jewish religious leader type, a, a leader in the sect even. Uh, a great teacher, a great rabbi, part of the Sanhedrin as well, the ruling council of the Jews. Uh, so he is held in high esteem with the people. He's got a reputation to maintain, and that's why most likely he's coming to Jesus at night. Uh, so you're, you're right, John, I think, in your criticism of Nicodemus, because really he's choosing his standing among his peers and the people as more important than be, you know, that than, 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 than connection with Jesus, right? Uh, and, and and Matt, I, I think that's the fundamental problem. Yeah. He thinks he is a great teacher, mm -hmm. and that's what gives him the ability to judge Jesus yeah. as a great teacher, right? Takes one to know one. And, of course, Jesus is now going to set that record straight. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that because the whole conversation, I mean, it's very much the posture of Nicodemus as student and learner and Jesus as teacher and rabbi. <laughs> the whole conversation. Yeah. Uh, so, well, and, let's... And, 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 and yet more than just teacher, yes. his his almighty God. Yes. That that's where Nicodemus hasn't come to yet. He hasn't he's still thinking that Jesus is a, a rabbi, a teacher, uh, and, and that maybe they're on equal terms, although as you said, Jesus will demonstrate no and even as teachers go, there is no equality here. I like that, the fact that actually the teacher now will become the student. But but maybe that's the problem. Uh, it has to go further than that. It's not just that he's now a student of Rabbi Jesus, but that he is he is the, what would you say, Matt, that he is the, the child of God, Jesus? I don't know. Well, yeah. maybe we'll find <laughs> Well, and I, I think that's why another reason why John 3.16 is so beautiful, because there Jesus uh, proclaims himself, if Nicodemus has eyes to see it, proclaims himself 
as more than a teacher, but the son that's sent from the father to give eternal life. I mean, Jesus, yeah, you're exactly right. No, he is much more than a teacher. This is God's son you're talking to, Dick and Nicodemus. Do you have ears to hear that? And uh, and we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay, well, let, let's pick up the conversation again. You want to uh, skip ahead to verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9? No, no, I don't No, want you to. don't. Okay, all right. I knew you, you were going to do that. Okay. I knew you were going to. No, no, because you have to explain what is this you're business. Tapping the brakes. About the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, you are going to skip that verse. But that's the puzzle. What does that mean? How is the spirit like the wind? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what, what goes along with that, too, is um, you know, Jesus says that. And then he, he's talking about um, later, he says, you know, I've talked about earthly things. You know, how can I talk about heavenly things? Right. Yeah. So he's talking about these earthly, tangible things. Right. Uh, he's talking about wind blowing. He's talking about um, the, the, the hearing the sound. Um you know, so Jesus is using the, these earthly pictures, these earthly metaphors to be able to explain what what the spirit is about. So, you know, when we think about the wind, you know, we Jesus is right. We, we can't control the wind. We don't know where it comes, where it goes, um, that sort of thing. Um, you know, in the same way, um, you know, the, the, the spirit is different um, than just something that's human, right? Humanly controlled. Uh, the spirit is, is God. You know, we think about God, the Holy Spirit, we think about the Spirit of God and, and how God is the one in control and at work. And it, it's not something that can be manipulated um, by us as human beings. So I think that's part of at least what Jesus is getting at here. And, and, and you know, when I think of this verse, I, I remember that uh, that line from the Lutheran Confessions where it says the Spirit works faith when and where it mm-hmm. pleases yeah. him. Yeah. You know, so, so, yeah, we don't know how the wind comes, the wind goes. I, why, why is it that I was given faith? I was born again, literally, shortly after I was born. <laughs> you know, I've been a Christian all my 70 years. It started way back when I was a baby, when I was baptized. And yet, uh, you know, as we move into the uh, Easter season, we'll have this story about a guy who isn't born again until he's almost dead, right? Until he, he's his dying breath, you know, Lord, uh, remember me in your kingdom. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know why the spirit works faith when and where he does. Uh, it's just like the wind. But but I do know that much, uh, as you've alluded, that there is going to be no new birth, uh, born again, born from above, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 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 The work of the Holy Spirit giving. Yeah. New birth, birth from above. And I like that where and where he pleases. Um <laughs> And uh, he says this to Nicodemus as perhaps the Spirit is working in his life, even. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, that's a perfect example because the Spirit's not going to work completely in this first visit. Uh, but, but yeah, well, we're, we're giving away the story because the Spirit is going to work in the end, isn't he? Um, all right, now I will read. I will read another verse. Although before we do, it doesn't, you know, just as, if people think why Nicodemus is having trouble understanding this, you probably should note that in the Greek, the word wind and the word spirit is the same word. So it's just kind of confusing. Yeah. So it could be the wind blows, but it could be the spirit blows where it wishes and you hear it sound. But what verse, what verse, Matt? So yeah, pneuma, right? Like pneumonia, pneuma. you know, um, spirit, wind. Yeah. Um, yeah the breath. 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 It could be present yeah. breath. Um, yeah. Verse nine. Yeah, John. And, and here's Nicodemus's next thing that he says to Jesus. How can these things be? Nicodemus said. <laughs> I like that. 
So yeah. here's this great teacher, right? Member of the Sanhedrin. And what is this? Well, how can these things be, you know? <laughs> and uh, Jesus, again, asked to unpack it for Nicodemus. And, you know, really, Jesus does the rest of the talking in this conversation. That's that's really the last thing Nicodemus says. The rest is just Jesus um, just sharing who he is with Nicodemus. All right. Well, you want to keep reading, John, and then read Jesus' response? How far? How far? Uh, yeah, well, let's go through, uh, well, let's go through verse 16. All right, yeah, we'll get the big verse in here. Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? So he kind of gets it situated, just like you said. Yep. Yeah, you didn't come here to teach me, but I, I have some things to teach you. Uh, truly, truly, again, amen, amen. I say to you, and by the way, I, I, I've noticed, Matt, that often when Jesus says amen, amen, he has the next phrase, I say to you. Okay, yeah, yeah. and that's how you can know that it's amen, amen, because he said it. <laughs> yeah, okay. good, good see, indicator. See, a teacher, a teacher can say things, and you don't know whether they're true or not. You figure they probably are, but it's always worth checking out. But when the Almighty Son of God says something to you, you should say what? Amen. 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 I'll buy that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus. All right. Saying. Anyway, sorry. Amen. Amen. I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended heaven from the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Yeah, there it is, right, John? Yeah, John three sixteen, yeah. and you know Jesus so clearly um, showing who who the Son is, and and of course the Son is Jesus, but who the Son is, what his job does, what his job is. Uh, God the Father loves the world so much, and and that word love is agape, right? That that yes. unconditional yeah. love, that love of God for us, uh, loves the world, and that uh, the world there is is cosmos. Right, John? So we're talking yes. about uh, the world and everything in it, you know, and even the, the universe itself, you know, the, the creation even more broadly, you know, his love for everything. And he demonstrates that in, in giving his own son, you know, um, you know, truly giving when you think about that and giving him to be born, to be incarnate as a, as a human being, even at his conception. But but then even more than that, to be given over to death on a cross, to, to suffer, to die, to shed his blood. And then that, that no, no. yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and then just you know to unpack the rest of the verse, just you know, then that promise that you know that that death is for everyone, uh, the whole world. But then whoever believes in him, whoever receives that uh, through faith, that, that spirit-given faith, uh, should not perish but have eternal life. And I think you know, really, even the Greek there to not be destroyed. I think it's even a stronger mm, yeah. word than perish, be destroyed, uh, but have eternal life. Um, so a beautiful promise here. And revealing to Nicodemus and to us that, like, like we keep saying, more than a teacher, more than a prophet, more, more than a crazy guy. I know this, this truly is the Son of God speaking to you and, and revealing why it is that he's come. And, and that, that business about for God so of the world is actually even more powerful than what we realize. Because if you read through the Gospel of John, uh, the world is always a bad yeah. place. Yeah. Uh, the world, uh, John says, uh, does not know Jesus. Uh, in another verse, he says the world actually hates Jesus and his followers. Uh, that the, uh, Satan is the ruler of this world, John says. There's another verse where John says the world rejoices in things that we Christians lament. 
but see that that's the you you take uh, the person that you think God would want to perish. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. And, and no, 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 that's the point. No, that's the person that God loves. That's the person that Jesus was sent for. That's the very person that God wants to have eternal life. And and I always rejoice in that, that verse because there's times when I don't feel very lovable, Matt. And there are times when I wonder, how could God love somebody like me? And it's just important to remember when you have those feelings, let the Spirit speak this verse to you because that's who this verse is being spoke to, not to the nice, holy people, but to the world and all of its flaws and all of its failings. And yet that's who God loves and that's for whom God sent his son. And that's who he wants to have everlasting life. So it's just a, a fantastic, fantastic passage. Yeah. No, I think it's a great insight. He's not just coming in the, he doesn't just love the, the lovable. No, he loves this, this world that's fallen, uh, that's apart from him. And so we have Nicodemus, you know, coming out of the darkness, sort of into the light at the beginning of this, as he visits Jesus at night, uh, the one who is the light of the world. And then here, you know, in John 3, 16, you have really the light coming into the darkness. You know, you have yeah. Jesus, the light, yeah. coming into this dark, um, sin-filled world uh, in order to save it. Yeah, yeah. And and don't don't you love that image, Matt? I, I love that image because darkness never prevails over light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. If I'm in a dark, if I'm a dark room, all I got to do is turn on the light switch, turn on the flashlight, and the darkness disappears. <laughs> There's no competition between the two. The light always, always eliminates the darkness. So yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Anything more, John, on uh, John chapter three? You wanted to touch on. Well, I, I think we definitely need to read verse 17. Yeah, go For ahead. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, that's the point. The world actually is something that should be condemned. Okay. Yes. But that's not what the son came for. The son didn't come to condemn, but the son came that that world, including you and me, even when we are sinning, that you and me, we would be saved. And, and indeed, all the rest of the sinners here. Would be saved as well. Yeah. Okay. And where well, do well, 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 I mean, real, since yeah. you read that, John, just real quick. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that's not to say that Jesus isn't going to preach law. That doesn't mean that oh, no. Jesus isn't going to condemn sin. Uh, he does. He condemns sin for sure. But what's the purpose of him preaching that law and, and condemning sin? Well, it's so that people would would repent <laughs> and believe. Uh, would, that they would see their need for a savior. That they might repent. That they might be saved. Um, so uh, even that word of law isn't condemnation for the, the individual, right? Uh, but so that they might see their need for Savior, repent, believe, and be saved. And I think, you know, for us as preachers, too, um, you know, that's that's why we ultimately preach law and gospel, but why we include the law. It's not, uh, not just to condemn, uh, but to kill, to make alive again, right? Uh, to, so that people might repent and, and believe and see the need for a Savior. So, you know, you know, th- this verse doesn't mean that Jesus isn't, is just sharing gospel, but you know, that word of law and gospel so that people would be saved. Because the thing is, if you haven't heard the law, if you haven't realized yep. that you are part of the world, we are the sinners, uh, then, then Jesus will mean absolutely nothing to you. In fact, everything about Jesus will seem rather odd. Uh, if all you think you are is a Nicodemus, a guy who's really a very great leader of the Jews, who, as you said, has actually done not only everything the law he thought commanded, but even a little more that they added as Pharisees. No, no, yeah, so you've got to have the law, but only, as you pointed out, so then we can say, oh, my God, God loves me. <laughs> yes, okay? exactly. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. Good, good, good. All right. Well, thanks, John. Um, let's 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 fast forward four chapters to chapter seven, where we we see Nicodemus a second time. This is kind of a, a text that I don't think is that well known, John. You know, it doesn't really come up. A lot I did church. not know it. And I did not yeah, know it, Matt. But I think when you it, said he was showed up three times, I thought no, he only shows up two times. Yeah. But then I looked it up. I think it's kind of a it's kind of a humorous text too. Um, what do you look at it? So chapter chapter seven. Let let's just jump with jump into verse 45 all right so okay. just to set the scene uh, people are still worrying about who jesus is and he is is he the christ is he anointed one and they're saying well you know he's from galilee you know from nazareth i don't know if you know anything good comes out of nazareth right um so there's a division about who jesus is um so the the pharisees the chief priests you know uh nicodemus's kind of people they want to arrest jesus so we hear about what takes place um, so verse, begin with verse 45 and eventually we'll get through verse 52. So just, just one verse. Well, that? um, yeah, let's just, uh, let's see. How about, um, yeah, how about verses 45 through 47 for starters? Okay. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? <laughs> So, you know, they send these these officers to, to go arrest Jesus, basically drag him before him, right? And uh, <laughs> what's their response? Um, no one ever spoke like Jesus. <laughs> this guy's just <this> dude's <laughs> different. Uh, and the Pharisees, you know, have you been deceived? So I think that's funny. Their, their, their mission was to arrest him. And then the people they send, they don't even arrest Jesus. I think I think because the darkness cannot overcome the light. Yeah. Even, even when the darkness comes in full force, the light still is is even changing the darkness yeah. yeah so then exactly and so yeah verses 47 and 48 if you could read those uh verses and you see the pride i think of the pharisees here so the pharisees answered him have you also been deceived have any of the authorities or the pharisees believed in him yeah and then verse 49 too john but this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Yeah. So have you been deceived? Well, of course you'd be deceived. And of course this this accursed crowd of commoners, lay people, yeah. they would be deceived. But have really any of us Pharisees been deceived? Have we believed in him? So you can see the pride of the Pharisees. Well, yeah, sure, sure, people are going after Jesus, but that's just because you know they 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 haven't read their Old Testament. You know they don't know the law. Um, and and no, that's that's not it. It's because Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God, the fulfillment and, of the law. And and now you see why you really have to have the law that cuts to the heart, because otherwise these Pharisees are all going to go to hell, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Until the law cuts them to the heart, yeah. and they don't say, "I've kept the law." Yeah, uh, they begin to realize that they've also broken the law. Okay. So here, so then here's Nick. Here's where Nicodemus shows up, John. So here he kind of uh, timidly, I think. Uh, perhaps yeah. speaks up, but 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 on the other hand, hey, for him to say anything at all in front of his peers of of esteemed uh, religious leaders, well, there was some boldness to that. So so we see what happens, what Nicodemus says, and then their response to Nicodemus uh, in verses fifty and following. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, that is the uh, Pharisees, said to them, uh, "Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and?" learning what he does? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Yeah. Stupid, stupid, stupid Nicodemus. <laughs> That's right. 
So they, I mean, so Nicodemus, you, know, you got to hand it to him. At least he said something, right? But yeah. just the form of a question. Well, does our law judge a man, you know, without hearing him first? But, you know, and you see their hearts here too, I think. They have no intention of hearing Jesus out. And, and yeah. even if their law says that they shouldn't judge a man without first hearing, and they disregard the, the law. And instead, oh, they, they're they willing to, to put the law aside in order to, to just get rid of this Jesus guy. Uh, and then they, they start to mock Nicodemus, you know? I mean, they, they yeah. put him down, right? Are you from Galilee, too? Come on. Uh, you know, poke and, fun of Nicodemus. That was a put down to be from Galilee. And, and, and now we know why Nicodemus went to Jesus at night, because he knew that's exactly yeah, what they did. There you go, John. Yeah. Exactly. This is what happens when you uh, there's any indication that <laughs> you might be open to Jesus being something other than uh, a blasphemer. Yeah. All right, well, let's let's skip ahead all the way to chapter 19. We'll wrap up with this. Um, so okay. chapter 19 is where we see Nicodemus for the last time, and we see, I think, perhaps God's word has been at work in Nicodemus. Um, so this is right after Jesus' death. He's, he's cried out, it is finished. He gave up the spirit. And now, uh, again, it's getting toward evening, and uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea team up to take care of Jesus. So verse uh, chapter 19, verses 38 uh, and following. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as it was the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Yeah, thanks, John. So it's kind of interesting, Nicodemus, then we have this, this detail. Another leader among the Jews, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a follower of seek in secret, they, they team up to, to bury Jesus. And 75 pounds of these myrrh and aloes, I mean, this was... This was uh, not a normal amount for a, a typical burial. I mean, this is a burial fit for a king, truly. And for Nicodemus to make that financial sacrifice to purchase that, he, you know, you, he knows Jesus is more <laughs> than, than just that teacher at this point. And even to risk asking for his body and being a part of that burial of Jesus, I think, says a lot. Uh, you know, it seems to me Nicodemus is a follower of Jesus at this point. And knows that, yeah, uh, he is, he's more than a teacher, but he is that that promised Messiah, fulfill uh, the Savior that's come into the world. Uh, and the beautiful thing is, you know, these, these myrrhs and aloes, these sweet-smelling things, they were uh, used to mask the smell of decaying bodies. Mm. So it seems as though Nicodemus, though, at this point, thinks, well, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be burying Jesus. Uh, but but the, the truly beautiful thing is, that's not even necessary, right? His, his Jesus yeah, isn't yeah. in the tomb long enough to start to smell. Uh, his body doesn't see corruption. He's risen from the dead. And that, uh, of course, makes all the difference uh, in Nicodemus's life and our lives, too. I, I never thought of that, Matt. That is a really keen insight. It's really kind of a waste of 75 yep. pounds of myrrh and aloes, isn't it? <laughs> it is. You know, and, and again, the intention was good. The intention was good. I, I like that thought, too, that he, they wanted to give him a burial fit for a king or maybe even for the son of God. Uh, but in a shame, it's kind of a waste of myrrh and aloes. You should have saved your money. 
because he's not going to smell that bad. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it won't be that long in the tomb right. that he'll need that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, then what? And you know, as as we, I think it's a great place to wrap up. Is uh, now because his Savior lives. Uh, yeah, um, you know, following Jesus, it is more important than high position or uh, Nicodemus's esteem among his peers. Uh, his position in the Sanhedrin, you know, more important is to be that student, that disciple, that follower of Jesus Christ, because that that that's that's all that's needed, right? And uh, to have that eternal life that he came into this world to get for Nicodemus and, and for each one of us, received by faith. All right, good. Well, thanks for joining us for this discussion about Nicodemus and John 3.16. You've been listening to Wrestling with Nicodemus.